0: Who said that children can't change the world? This is Teenage Tech Stories, the podcast where today's teens talk about their incredible technological achievements. From developing groundbreaking algorithms to innovating in healthcare, or even leading their own nonprofit organizations, these young entrepreneurs are proof that it's never too early to start making the world a better place. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Teenage Tech Stories. My name is Beatriz Valeron and joining me for this edition is Betri Bell. Betri is a high school student from Maine and he was inspired by his grandmother to build an affordable and effective fall detection algorithm for the elderly. Falls are the main cause of injury for Americans over the age of 65 and with his project, Betri wanted to address this issue. Hi Petri, it's great to have you in the podcast. Uh, to begin, why don't you just take a second and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Vetrivel and I'm 16 years old and I'm from Bangor High School in Bangor, Maine.
0: Okay, perfect. And how did you first get interested in coding and technology?
1: So I think I first got interested in programming when I got a Raspberry Pi, which is a small microcomputer in sixth grade. And then I got a little Python book to go with it. And I was just working through a bunch of the Python exercises. It was really cool because you could then interface the Raspberry Pi with LEDs and get them to blink in different patterns and and stuff like that, but also do interesting computations on the Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi. And so it was, I got interested in technology because it's like an extension of math and, and science. It like allows you to make stuff that interacts with the real world.
0: Yeah. Those computers are great for to get people into coding. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your fall detection system. What inspired you to create it? And where did the idea come from?
1: Yeah. So the initial inspiration for my project was actually hearing that my grandmother had fallen in India. And um, my grandpa thankfully noticed within a few minutes and drove her to the hospital but this made me think about what would have happened if he was out of the house or sleeping or something. Um, and then she this was an issue after the fall that would have needed immediate assistance. Um, so that would have been very bad if he wasn't there immediately. And my neighbor had a story about her elderly mother falling after removing a medical alert pendant, and then she forgot to wear it after removing it. And then when she fell, she couldn't call for help. And only the next day did people check on her, and she had a broken hip, and she had to go to the hospital. And then I looked up the statistics um, behind falls, and I found that it's a huge issue with over a quarter of old adults and half of the oldest adults falling each year. And quick assistance after fall is critical and can reduce their hospitalization by 26% and their death rate by 80%. So I wanted to create a system that can immediately detect these falls.
0: Yeah, those are terrible statistics, really awful. And obviously your grandmother's good now, which is really great. So tell me about how you're solving this problem, how does your system work? when designing my
1: system, I first had some goals for engineering it. And one of them was that I wanted it to be a warm mounted system that, that people don't have to wear or anything. And the dollars were like it being as low cost as possible, working in the dark, maintaining privacy, stuff like that. So I ended up being able to meet those by using a thermal camera, um, like a, a low resolution 80 by 60 pixel thermal camera and actually interfacing it with the Raspberry Pi microcomputer. And then I use deep learning to analyze the images and see if it thinks someone is in a fallen posture and they image so when designing my system I, I learned how to interface it like with thermal camera and how to get it to send data to the Raspberry Pi and then how to use neural network feed forward neural networks to manipulate the data and and give me scores corresponding to what probabilities it think someone is falling
0: okay so how does it work when someone falls does it make a noise and a text or something
1: yeah so if someone falls it after 30 seconds or so if they still are, remain on the floor and it thinks they're fallen and not moving very much then uh, it'll call for help and this it can send a text message to a list of contacts. It doesn't have to immediately um, emergency medical services.
0: Cool. So, what was the most difficult part to design?
1: For me, maybe learning the deep learning and machine learning. And right now, I'm working on reducing the false positives and yeah, making it more robust. But for initially, yeah, I was learning about how to actually make neural networks and what architecture I wanted to use. And and I also kind of wanted to learn what the hype was behind deep learning and stuff.
0: And have you had a chance to test it somewhere with real people?
1: I'm planning to just by getting an older adult um, who's a volunteer and who's willing to have it in their actual room in the nursing facility. And I think the system would actually be more effective in nursing homes um, right now, because they only have one or two rooms per individual that need to be monitored. And then I would just have it operate as it would normally, and then I'll see any false positives or any errors that it has. So then I can go back and fix the issues in the real-time algorithm. Since I wasn't able to do that yet, I did implement it for a week in my room and, and got some data.
0: Find us at Tech for Good on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter at Tech for Good underscore. Sounds really exciting. And obviously, you were a finalist at the Regeneron Science Competition. So what does that mean to you? What was the experience like? And obviously, congratulations.
1: Yeah, so the Regeneron Science Talent Search is, yeah, really great competition and it's for high school seniors, um, and I think it's just the U.S. though. And anybody who wants to can submit their application. But part of it is your like your normal high school performance, but then also a full research paper um, documenting your research project and, and stuff. Um, and they also want to hear about your activity in math and science competitions, like like math Olympiad and physics Olympiad um, type performance. Um, so they take all of those, and they I think they get each year around a hundred. 1,800 applicants. And so they take all that in account and then they narrow it down to 300 scholars. And so I was, I was happy to be in the 300 scholars. And then I really didn't think I was going to make a cut from 300 to top 40 finalists. Um, but thankfully, um, I did. And that was like a great moment because that also comes with 25,000 for college. And, and then so the top 40, they have a great competition, um, over the course of like a few weeks, but that actual judging happens over like, you know, four days or five days. So before the judging, we had a lot of events and stuff. Um, And then also after the judging, we had events like um, one of the biggest ones was talking to four previous STS alumni that were now Nobel Prize winners. And yeah, they gave us a lot of, yeah, yeah. so they gave us a lot of insight into their research and how they got to the point of winning a Nobel Prize from like after completing STS and, and so on. And the, like there's stuff like um, touring uh, SpaceX facility and, and stuff. So, but the actual judging and they did a really good job. And so they had two, a few days of panel judging where they ask you just tough questions, random questions in science. And, you know, most kids definitely would not know the answer, even among the top 40. So they just want to see how you think about these questions. And some of them don't really have answers. So they just want to see how you think about it and how you get to some sort of answer. And then after those, there was a few days of project judging where they, the judges had all thoroughly read your paper, any demo videos you made, and they came in with really pointed questions about your project um, and trying to pick holes in it and stuff. And that that made me think really hard about my project as well. And thankfully, I think I was able to answer a lot of them. I'm sure that I had thought about them, but some of them or really good points about my project so after those days of judging we have a lot of events and then at the end of sts they they announce the top 10 so they get us into a live zoom meeting um and they have like a production studio and stuff and they have like a, a big introduction and like one of the finalists she was selected as a speaker to talk about the finals week and how it went for us and then finally at the end there is the top 10 and so 10th place came i I wasn't there and then ninth place and so on and yeah I I, as it counted down I was thinking I was definitely not going to be in top 10 um but then finally sixth place came up and then my face popped up so I was really surprised and happy and then that was 80,000 for college um so that was definitely a good feeling
0: well that sounds amazing okay so after this competition do you have any idea of what you want to do next or any other projects?
1: Yeah. So with my project, I'm not sure if I'm going to go for a patent because um, I wanted to make it completely open source. And right now it's all, all the parts and yeah, schematics and the programs are posted on GitHub. So te- technically anybody can order the same exact thermal camera and the Raspberry Pi and stuff and, and wire it together and then run the programs that I have. And so I, I might, I think there's still a way to get a patent and keep it open source. So I I think I might go after that, but I still have to refine the system a little bit more maybe this summer over a few weeks. I I actually will implement it in a nursing home.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned college. Uh, Do you have any plans for that as well?
1: Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get admitted to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Congrats. Yeah,
1: that'd been my goal. And like, that's where I really want to go since I think like sixth or seventh grade. (laughs) So yeah, now that I'm there, I think I might do subjects that I want to study are electrical engineering, which is kind of related to my project. Um, but then also one of my favorite subjects in high school has been physics. Um, so I think I'm going to try. It's hard because MIT is already rigorous with one major, but I'll try to double major.
0: Okay, that sounds really exciting. And for my last question, just wanted to ask if there's something or someone that inspires you?
1: Like, in terms of someone, I, I'd say mm-hmm like my parents um for example um my my dad's story is pretty inspiring like so he grew up in in a farming community in India um and he lived in like a, a small um maybe like clay house or something um and th- so they they had only a little bit of money left over for like disposable income left over uh, for for stuff and his my dad's dad spent almost all of it on books for um, my dad and they had to go walk to like they had to walk to like some bookstore that was thirty minutes away and 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 get the books there. And then he studied really hard. Like I think after school he studied for like eight or ten hours each day. Um, to get into the In- Indian Institute of Technology, which at that time I think had a point five percent acceptance I've rate. Back then it was a lot harder than even it is now. Like I think it was half a percent acceptance rate. So he studied. He studied for like two years, eight to ten hours a day. Um, a- after school. And finally, he took the entrance exam and, and got in. And And then after going to IIT, he had, he had the resources um to come to the U.S. for graduate school. So that's a person I find inspiring. But then in terms of something, I'd say science in general, because, you know, science is always moving forward and we're always building upon knowledge and, and making technology that makes people's lives um, easier and more comfortable and, and stuff like I hope my project does, but also advances in um, medicine um and then advances eventually in electrical engineering and physics um and like getting us to mars and that kind of stuff i think that's all really cool
0: well i'm sure he's really proud of you as well and that's a really inspiring story also i think a great place to end today's podcast thank you so much for coming
1: yeah well thanks for interviewing me today though
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Teenage Tech Stories. Like, review, subscribe, or visit us at techforgood.net to read more about today's guest and other incredible people who are using technology to make the world a better place.